0: All right, is this thing on? All right. Last Sunday we had trouble with that, or I did. Well, a 2020 Thanksgiving. What's it going to look like? Everything else has been different this year. Why not Thanksgiving? Governors of some states have banned Thanksgiving gatherings for fear of further spreading the virus. But I do want to suggest to you today that God does want us to look at Thanksgiving differently this year. Every year. In fact, every day. So today's message centers on one lesson that God has been teaching me lately. Probably you as well throughout this year with all of its challenges. So I want to ask you a question to get you thinking about God's message for us today. What are you thankful for? We're going to use a little visual aid here. Now, most of us, if we were to write down our blessings, it would look something like this. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for my friends My health and my safety. I'm thankful for all the abundance. I mean, how many of you know that you have enough food to go home and eat today? If you don't go out to eat, you got enough food in your pantry to eat. You got enough food for supper tonight, don't you? Got enough food for breakfast, don't you? Probably got enough food for a week or two. You could probably go a whole month with the food that's in your freezer, refrigerator, or pantry. Correct? Abundance. How about clothes? Most of us have enough clothes in our closet we could go a month without doing laundry. Amen? Couldn't. You know I'm right. Some of you try that. I did in college. (laughs) What about our home? We know we have a nice home. We've got air conditioning when it's hot. We've got heat when it's cold. We've got a roof over our heads. We have a car that works good, that got us here, that gets us going where we want to go. We have a good paying job with good benefits that helps us to afford all these things. So we have abundance. So if I were to say, let's count our blessings, these are the things that, and maybe some more, of course, we would count as our blessings. Indeed, I'm thankful for those things. God's been good to me. God's been good to you. But here's another question. What are we not thankful for? So let's label this second column curses. I'm not thankful for COVID-19 and all its inconveniences. I'm not thankful for sickness. I'm not thankful for death. I'm not thankful for need or financial loss. I'm not thankful for a struggling marriage, or a broken marriage, or a spouse that doesn't love and understand me. I'm not talking about my wife, I'm just talking about people in general. I'm not thankful when friends or family betray me. I'm not thankful for any kind of abuse. I'm not thankful for any kind of problems like a broke down or a wrecked car, a broke down washing machine, a a leaky roof and rotten floors, or a job demotion, or being fired, or a boss that's hard to please. I'm just not thankful for those things. Are you? Now, let's look at the Word of God and see how He wants to teach us to be truly thankful. So, genuine thanksgiving is when we're thankful to God. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.20, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, let's break that verse down. What is God's will for His people as far as thanksgiving goes? According to the Word of God, he, the first word He uses is always. Giving thanks always. That's at all times, right? Doesn't that what, isn't that what always means? Always, all the time, for all things. Not just on Thanksgiving Day. Not just on Christmas Day or Easter or Sunday or testimony time. Or, or when things are going really good. But when even things are going quote-unquote, bad. Thomas Kempis is a devoted follower of Jesus. He was in the 15th century. He wrote a timeless classic devotion entitled The Imitation of Christ. I just bought a copy at Ollie's. How many of y'all been to Ollie's already? Yeah. It's the new store in the old Publix building. Um, and I would recommend every sincere follower of Jesus needs to read Thomas Kempis: The Imitation of Christ. I want to quote something from that book that I read this week. Many love Jesus so long as no troubles happen to them. Many praise Him and bless Him so long as they receive comforts from Him. But if Jesus seems to hide Himself and seems to withdraw from them for even a little while, they immediately begin complaining or feel a great sense of dejection. But those who love Jesus for Jesus' sake... And not for the comforts he gives them. Praise him in all suffering and sorrow. Just as they do in the greatest blessings. And if he should never give them another blessing. They would nevertheless continue to always praise him. And give him thanks. Always. Second thing he says here is. For all things. Does God really mean always and for all things? Certainly he doesn't expect me to be thankful For these things, does he? Certainly when he says all things, he means all the good things that he's done for me. Not all the bad things that have come into my life, right? What do you think the most famous verse in the Bible is? Exactly. Let's say that together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? That whoever believes in Jesus can be saved? Romans ten thirteen is another whoever passage. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is, whoever is here today or listening online or, or whoever hears the gospel and, and sees Jesus Christ and believes that what he did on the cross was for them to be saved, then they can be saved. So... If we really believe that Romans 10:13 and John 3:16, how then can we question Ephesians 3:20? Does God really mean John 3:16? Does God really mean Romans 10:13? Whoever? Does God really mean Ephesians 5:20 always for all things? I didn't hear it as loudly that time. Isn't it funny how we pick and choose what to believe? And what to practice. In other words, if I can trust God to save a lost and ruined sinner like me, then certainly I can trust him enough to thank him for the good and the bad in my estimation. And knowing that he's in control and knows what he's doing if I don't. Theologian Albert Barnes said this, we should therefore look upon the mercies which we enjoy as well as the miseries which we endure, that our hearts may be right. If the words here are to be taken in literally for all things, then they're full of force and beauty. He says, at the close of life and in heaven, we shall see occasion to bless God for all His dealings with us. We shall see that we have not suffered one pain too much or been required to perform one duty too severe. We shall see that all our afflictions as well as all our mercies were designed for our good and were needful for us. Why then should we not bless God in the furnace as well as in the palace? On a bed of pain as well as a bed of down. In want as well as in sitting down at a splendid banquet. See, God knows what is best for us and the way in which He leads us, mysterious though it may be, Barnes says, it will yet be seen to have, full, be, have been full of goodness and mercy. Here's what Paul said in Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which will be revealed in us. He said it a different way in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. He said, for our light affliction... I know what you're thinking because whatever affliction you're going through doesn't feel light. It feels heavy. Which is but for a moment. Again, I know what you're thinking. No, it's not just a moment. It's been going on for a very long time. It's heavy and it's enduring. But when you compare it to the eternal weight of glory, it's light and it's momentary. And it's working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. It depends on our perspective. And that's why we, the next phrase says, give thanks always for all things to God the Father. See, I don't have the perspective that he has. I'm not the eternal God. I don't see things the way he sees them. I don't see how he can take something like these and call it that. I don't understand that. That's beyond my comprehension. But He is God. He is the one true God. He is sovereign over all things. That's why I know that I can thank Him for all things. Because if He's sovereign over it, then He allowed it to come into my life. And if therefore He allowed it, then I can give Him thanks for it. Do we really believe that God is a good father? I know I've shared with you many times one of my favorite verses of scripture. And I pray I never get over this passage because it speaks so uh, tenderly to me about my father. My heavenly father. It says, what man is there among you, Matthew chapter 7, who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you're going to give him a serpent or a snake? I mean, none of us here is dads. If our children come to us or our grandchildren come to us and say, Dad, can I have a piece of bread or we're we going to give them? No, son, but here's a rock. Not all on that. Nobody's going to... No father here would say, if his son said, Dad, do you have, do you have a fish? I, some fish? I'm, I'm hungry. I'd like to eat. You're not going to say, yeah, well, here's a snake. I just caught him out in the yard. Here, try that. None of us would do that. But he says, if you then being evil, if me... The Bible says I have a deceitful and desperately wicked heart. And yet I still know how to give good gifts to my children. How much more will my father give good things to those that ask him? So could these things here be considered good things? If God is sovereign, they are. But if I, if I don't believe God is over all things, if I don't believe God can use all things, and I don't believe God is good, then no, I'm not thankful for these things. No, these things will forever be bad things and for my bad. But doesn't God say, and we love to quote it, all things work together for good? All things or just a few things? These things work together for good or do all things work together for good? I feel like Banna White. I don't look like her, just feel like her. So God our Father is always worthy of thanksgiving for all things. Not only when he gives us things that we deem enjoyable. Now the last phrase of that verse, Ephesians 5.20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's look at that phrase. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That did not just mean we close our prayers with in Jesus' name. We thank you Lord. It means let's think about Jesus. As you read the gospels and you read that red print in your New Testament, do we ever see Jesus ungrateful? Do you ever hear Jesus complaining, griping, whining? Never. By the same token, we see do we see Jesus accepting hardship? Do we see Jesus accepting hardship? He had no home, no place to lay his head. He was homeless. He had no job, no income. He had few trusted friends. Do we see Jesus accepting pain? Do we see him accepting suffering, ridicule, Do we see him accepting denial and betrayal? Do we see him accepting mocking and beating and death? Even the death of the cross? And all the while, do we hear him whining or complaining or griping or shaking an angry fist in the face of the Father? You know the answer to that. No, we don't. Rather, we hear words of love and tenderness. Father, forgive them. 1 Peter 2, 21, For to this you were called. We don't really want to know what he's talking about there, but that whole chapter is about suffering. So he says, to suffering you were called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. That is, all the while he took all this for us, he never spoke an ill word. For when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins In his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed for you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls so genuine thanksgiving is thanking god always for all things in the name of Jesus Christ, considering how Jesus lived. And if I name him and claim him, that's how I must live. It's not an option. And also, the Bible says genuine thanksgiving is thanking God. Let me just read it. Chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. So, genuine thanksgiving is when we're thankful to God for all things, but also in all things. So, how does that differ? What's the difference between for all and in all things? Well, I can be thankful for all things after they're over. And I've seen how everything seemed to work out okay. Or even if it didn't work out okay, enough time has passed that I'm over it. Give me an example my personal experience this year our uh, fourth grandbaby was entering the world in March of 2020 well you know what we were going through in March 2020 don't you shut down lockdown so our daughter in law Mary Ann and our son Joshua were in the hospital having our fourth grandchild our first Uh, if you will, Waller, a granddaughter. We have a Pope granddaughter. Now we have a Waller granddaughter. We were there with Reed and Haley when Tinley was born. We were there with Reed and Haley when Boomer was born. We were there with Andrew and Kayla when Owen was born. But now, because of stinking, stupid COVID, we can't be there when Ellie Kate's born. You don't think I was ticked off? You say, Brother Lee, you're too spiritual to get ticked off. Oh, no, I ain't. (laughs) I was mad. I did a lot of griping. A lot of complaining. Criticizing our hospital. And now that, let's see, March, April, how many, eight months have passed? Nine months have passed? I'm over it. Now I can say, thank you, Lord. But God's convicted me of how hypocritical that is. I should have thanked Him and praised Him in the middle of the storm. I should have thanked Him for not being able to be there. That sounds silly. That doesn't make sense. It's outside my box and realm of comprehension. Lord, is that what you really mean in all things in the middle of the storm? Surely. You don't expect me to do that. God's teaching me how to be genuinely thankful. I'm not there yet. I'm learning. And so are you. We're on this journey together, but I want us to learn together as God wants to teach us to have a sincere heart of gratitude, to thank God in the middle of the storm, not just after it's passed and I look back and see how God was at work in it. That's easy. That's easy. Let me ask you this. If we were to erase this and all we do is count these as blessings, consider North Korea, our brothers and sisters in North Korea. It is against the law to be a Christian in North Korea. It's against the law to follow Jesus. If you're found out, then you are arrested, you are imprisoned, and more than likely, and more times than not, you are killed. North Koreans have family of course but they're not able to meet in a church they're not sure who they can trust as their friends they have no health very little health and hardly any safety they have none of this as abundance they're very poor so what do they have to be thankful for you see if your version of christianity doesn't work in north korea then you have a fake christianity If it doesn't work in the remotest tribes of Africa, then you have a fake Christianity. If you think this is all God's good for, then you're lost. And you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. That's why it says, in the name of Jesus Christ. I am to thank God in the middle of the storm. The passage here says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, I am to choose joy Always. Joy is not based on what's happening around me or happening to me. That's happiness. Joy is an inward condition of my heart that Christ gives me. And it's bred in me as I yield my sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And I yield over, I, I overcome my feelings of disappointment, of hurt, of anger. And I choose rather to rejoice and say, thank you, Lord. And you see, he says also pray without ceasing. I am to pray and to trust God and not fret. Pray without ceasing doesn't mean you walk around with your head bowed and your eyes closed all the time. Or that you're 24-7 on your knees. It means you're constantly in conversation with God. Mentally or sometimes verbally, but you're constantly aware of God. And when you're facing a situation that's outside of your control and that's afflicting you or tormenting you or hurting you in some way, you're praying, God help me. God, help me. And you see, that's why it says don't quench the Spirit, verse 19. Because what is the Holy Spirit? Well, I can't do this. I can't thank God for all things and in all things without the Spirit's help. The first word, the first name Jesus gave the Holy Spirit when he introduced him to the disciples in John 14 was helper. Why? Because I need a helper. I can't do this. This is silly. It doesn't make sense to me. I can't comprehend how to thank God for this. But the Holy Spirit has to help me to be thankful. And He guides me into all truth. He leads me in ways that that I would not normally go because I avoid these things. Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads me to those things. You say, no, He wouldn't. Oh, yes, He does. Where did He lead Jesus? Into the wilderness. To do what? To go without this food for 40 days and 40 nights. And yes, to be tempted by the devil. You mean the Holy Spirit would do that? Oh, yes, He would. He did it to Jesus, the Son of God. Would He then not do it for me or for you? Yes, He very well might lead you into hardship, difficulty, challenge, even temptation. Now, God does not tempt, nor does the Holy Spirit tempt. But He leads us and He tests us. That's outside of your box, isn't it? You see, we all have this little box of how we think God operates. And anytime He operates outside our little box of what we comprehend God would do or should do or whatever, we get very uncomfortable. And we don't really believe that's of God. Be- beware of putting God in a box. Don't quench the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's my teacher. That's what He's been doing to me in the last several months, teaching me how to be thankful, genuinely. He's also my comforter because none of these things make me feel good. All of these things hurt me, bother me, make me angry. Uh, take away my peace so I need the Holy Spirit to comfort my heart to help me overcome my uh, addiction to my feelings and operating only in my feelings and help me to operate in my faith and do things that would not, I would not normally do because it doesn't make human sense so I, he gives me comfort the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6 and 7 I will begin to experience an incom- uh, incomprehensible peace as I do this He says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. In other words, you will have have peace that you can't comprehend. You're going, Lord, why do I have peace? I'm right here in the middle of this storm and it's raging, but I have peace. How do I have peace? Because you've been grateful. You've been thankful. You have surrendered your will and your emotions to the Lord God. And he's able to guard your heart. That is your emotions from running away and leading your soul and your spirit down that path that you don't need to be going. He's able to guard your mind, to keep your mind from running away from you, going to all those worst case scenarios. He's guarding your heart and guarding your mind, but not without thanksgiving. Not without thanksgiving. And then he says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I wonder, I don't, I don't often stop to think about what I'm going through. Is this the will of God for me? Especially if it's one of these things. Now this, oh yeah, this is the will of God. No doubt. Abundance, blessing, health, that's the will. Of, but when these things happen, do we ever stop to say, Lord, could this be your will for me? Again, that's outside of our box, isn't it? Is there a purpose in the pain? Is there a reason for the affliction? The psalmist said in Psalm 119, it's good that I've been afflicted. Job said in chapter 1, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I'll return. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Let me ask you this, what has the Lord taken away from you this year? Because of COVID-19? Or because of something else in your life? What has God taken away from you? We want to blame all the taking away on the devil. You say, well, wasn't it the devil in Job's life that took all? Yeah, but who gave him permission? And who kept, who kept him at bay and said, yes, Satan, you can go this far, but you can't go any further than that? You see, God is overall. all. What has the Lord taken away from you this year? You start naming them. So here's your challenge this Thanksgiving. I want you to name all the things God's taken away from you this year. And put it over here in this column. All the bad. All the taking away. And what did Job say? We sing the song, don't we? I'm not sure we really mean it or even know how to live it. The Lord is given. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. The Lord has taken away. What did Job say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. He told his wife, who said, curse God and die. He said, woman, you're talking like a crazy woman. He said, shall we accept good from God and not evil? You mean evil can come from God? Can God allow bad? Does that rip up your theology? Jesus said, Blessed are you when you're persecuted, and when men revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. He tells us in 2 Corinthians that we're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. You see, the world needs to see a difference in us. And if all we do is bless God for these and we curse God for that, or we don't really curse God, we'd never say we curse God, but we don't want that. We don't thank God for that. We don't bless God for that. You see, Jesus said, you know, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but let me so let me jump fast forward. Here's a third thing Jesus said we're to give thanks for. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving, giving of thanks. I wish he had leave that phrase out, giving of thanks. I could go with the supplication, prayers, and intercession. But when he says giving of thanks be made for all men, and then for kings and all who are in authority, then I have a problem. Because I'm not thankful for all people. There are just some people, quite honestly, I ain't very thankful for. And it's not you. And I bet you don't have to think long to thank some of those people too. Think of some of those people too. And not only are we told to be thankful for them, but Jesus takes us a step further in Matthew chapter 5 and he tells us, love them. Bless them. The word bless is the word eulogy. What you hear at a funeral when somebody says good things about the dead person. He could have been a scoundrel, but you always eulogize him. Say good things about him. Then do good to them. And then pray for him. Lord, are you kidding? I'm starting not to like this little word all. It's really making me very uncomfortable. Because I realize how far short I fall in this area. And I'm not very comfortable thinking that I'm not as grateful as I thought I was. How about you? To be genuinely thankful, like we've talked about today, we've got to remember and believe the truth of this one series, which is that God is sovereign over all things, over all people, over all kings and all rulers. Therefore, I can be thankful and grateful for all things, in all things, and for all people. But I want to remind you one more time. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us. If you try to do this in your own flesh, and your own weakness, you will fail often. But when something uncomfortable or bad or difficult or one of, something like this happens... Just right then and there ask, Holy Spirit, help me. I don't feel thankful. I feel whatever. And just tell them how you feel. Help me to overcome this feeling. And Lord, I thank you. You may have to force yourself to say it. God, I thank you. Thank you for this. That seems out way out. Like I'm crazy to say thank you for this. But God, I'm thanking you for this. Because I trust you have my best in mind. Eritrea is a country on the coast of northeast Africa, bordering Ethiopia and Sudan. One of our sisters in Christ, Helen Berhane, is a member of an evangelical Christian church which is not officially recognized by the state of Eritrea and is very heavily persecuted. She was arrested in May 2004, shortly after she released an album of Christian music because she refused to sign a document pledging to end all participation in evangelical Christian activities as which included her music. She was detained at a military camp north of the capital. She was forbidden any possibility of contact with her family. She was denied legal representation and medical care. And her persecutors confined her in a metal shipping container in sweltering heat, without ventilation, without light, and without sanitation. Watch the screen and listen to her. This is our Thanksgiving challenge. Erase the line. And erase the title and let's rename it. Can you do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So this year at Thanksgiving, would you take time at your table with your family to count these and to count these, your many blessings. Name them one by one. See what God has done. Let's pray.